Hello and welcome to ASMR Tirar de Huello. Are you hoping to calm your mind, relax your body, or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. Today, we want to make sure you know how much we appreciate you. Thank you for listening and being a part of our podcast family. If you enjoy what we do, please take a moment to share your favorite episode with someone. It really does help our podcast grow. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to my podcast. It's been a long journey, and today is no different. This is a little bit of a special show today, because I'm breaking the fourth wall a little bit to let you all know that I am okay, but I am very ill. Luckily, I am not ill with influenza or COVID-19. I was tested for both, but I have a severe case of bronchitis, which a sinus infection, and it led to bronchitis. Now, in most people, bronchitis could or could not be a bad thing, but in my case, it decides that it wants to shut my airways off and the bronchial tubes to my lungs just completely close. I think my lungs close up to prevent the infection from going deeper down into the alveola, you know, the, the, the sacs of the lungs. And it's some kind of reaction my body has, almost like a allergic reaction. It closes and swells the airways and I know that's why they call it bronchitis. It's in your bronchial tubes. But in my case, it just happens literally overnight. And I lose my um, ability to breathe literally overnight. And thank goodness I had the presence of mind to go to the doctor. And I thought I had the flu. I thought I had, you know, I had, I had body aches and some other issues that are similar. But the sinus drainage was the the tip-off, and there was um, some other reasons why the doctor really stayed on target. He really thought I had bronchitis. They tested me, and plus it's in my history. My history, medical history, is bronchitis is this Superman's kryptonite. I get hit with this bronchitis, and it puts me right on my Baduski. And uh, everything else I can work through and toughen it out and uh, stiff up our lip and all that. But bronchitis, I am flat out, like, on my back. <sighs> and uh, it's hard to take a deep breath sometimes. I actually am recording this not in my studio, but in my bedroom 
reclining in my bed. Uh, my wife was nice enough to go down and get my audio recorder, bring it up for me, and walking from my... I'm not joking. <laughs> and I've been really working out on my treadmill to build up my stamina. And walking from my living room to my bedroom, which is not that big a diff distance, uh, turning a few lights off, turning off some fans and turning, you know, setting up everything and then laying down. And I had to wait until I caught my breath and could relax. And my jaw actually hurts on uh, the one side of my face from talking and already it's cramping up. And I know it's hard to understand something so silly as this put me down so fast but luckily I have a very good doctor and he tested me right away uh, for COVID and for influenza and I am vaccinated by the way I am fully vaccinated I got the Pfizer shots back in February March I was one, one of the early people that got uh, vaccinated and so I haven't got COVID yet, and I've been pretty safe and very good about things. But I'm prone to sinus infections and bronchitis, and it's been two years. It's been since uh, before. The last time I was sick was before I got my Bell's palsy attack in November 2019 because we were talking about it I haven't been sick in almost two years over two years I haven't had a common cold uh, much of an illness at all I've been pretty relatively healthy and I've been isolated and keeping uh, myself careful and um, I don't like to blame anything but I did go on a big social outing and hugged and kissed and shook hands and just, you know, took photos with all my old friends uh, two Sundays ago. Well, it was not two Sundays, it was Sunday ago. And almost immediately I caught a uh, sinus infection that week and I didn't think it was that bad. And it didn't seem to, but it... It didn't plug my sinuses up as much as it, um, what it did was it drained, there was drainage, constant, uh, drainage from my sinuses and, uh, and it just impacted my lungs terribly and I started to get that scratchy, itching feeling in my side, my chest, but I also had these horrible body aches and that's what made me think I might have had the flu and there were some other symptoms um, but luckily the yeah, like I said I have a tremendous wonderful family doctor and you know he is so conscientious and I'm older now so my doctor is younger than me and I, I still look up to him with great reverence and respect my um my old family doctor, of course, was older than me, and he retired 
and I got this younger doctor, and I fell into, luckily fell into meeting this younger doctor, and just, I think I hit it off with him, I think he's a good guy, and he is just fantastic, and um, his, I don't, I haven't seen her in a while, but he had a nurse practitioner that I really liked too, she helped me through my illness when I got sick with the Bell's palsy, and um, she stayed on it, she uh, monitored it, and helped me, and then my doctor sent me to uh, a couple specialists that helped a little bit, and uh, they've really tried to be there for me, and I've always been grateful that I got lucky and found another good doctor, because a lot of times when your family doctor retires, is something we all face in life, you know, you get older, and your dentist and your doctor retire, or they get old and you need a new one because they just aren't as good as they used to be. They they do get past their prime. And um, so, you you know, I've had to replace my eye doctor, dentist, and my family doctor. Now, I've only replaced my family doctor like twice, I think, the whole time I've been an adult. But dentists, it seems like they've... <laughs> go through them a little quicker and I've been very fortunate to find a very good dentist but I wanted to tell everybody don't give up it it has to be a good fit sometimes you go to the doctor and it's not a good fit you don't feel like they hang on <laughs> okay sometimes you feel like they don't listen to you you feel like they don't take you seriously or they brush off the symptoms or the comments that you make towards your own health and you sometimes they belittle you or they make you feel like they're they're just not serious about your condition and your issues now this isn't them necessarily being arrogant or a twit or just a jerk or thinking they're better than you a lot of doctors are very, very intelligent people, and they hear the same blah, 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 blah garbage all day long. They can't take all of it to heart, so a lot of times they don't have the best bedside manner. Uh, they don't have the best interpersonal skills because they're bookworms, they're smart kids, and they... Uh, they get inundated with the same thing. So over and over again, you know, you think you're the only person sick. They have seen 20 cases of the same disease that, that week. And it's just like, oh God, another one. Okay, here's what you need. I know that's what you have because I've seen this 20 times this week. And you have the exact same symptoms and everything. They don't want to talk to you and be down to you. But they're short with you and they're sometimes evasive or they make you feel like they're not paying attention and I don't think it's always their fault I think it's the nature of modern medical practice these doctors have to jam as many patients as they can into a day to make money and deal with the insurance companies and you know all this stuff that they're, they're almost like a business administrator slash doctor anymore 
And you got the insurance companies telling them what they can and can't do for you as a patient. And and all that adds to the angst that these poor men and women go through as our practitioners. And it's really um, frustrating to me as a patient because I've had bad doctors and bad uh, medical help. And then I've had other people say that these were like their favorite doctor. And I'm like, oh, I would never go back to that guy again. And it's not that they were bad. It's just not a good fit. I, personality-wise, that person and myself just didn't mesh, if that makes sense. My daughter had this, um, oh, what do they call him? Orthodontist or whatever. I don't know what they call him. But he was a dentist. But anyway, she had to get her wisdom teeth pulled and it was surgery. And I thought this guy was the nicest guy in the whole world. But I thought his staff was kind of like, not rude, but short with me. And they kind of like, I didn't feel they were very sweet or kind. But the doctor himself, he took me back and gave me like a, a, a nice talk, explained the whole procedure to me, and he took the time to answer all our questions, and I was like, this this young man is incredible. He's a fantastic oral surgeon, but his staff was like almost the opposite of him, and you see that a lot. So you can't always, um, you know, you don't want to say anything negative about him or his practice because maybe they're only doing what they're instructed to do or maybe they are just having a bad day and you can't you know make them feel like they're ruining his business because you had a bad day they had a bad day sometimes it's just not a good fit a good example is i had the best and I'm talking this kid was sharp. I ain't calling him a kid because he's a 30-year-old man at least at the time. I doctor. And I I worshipped, I loved the ground that this kid walked on. I don't want to tell people why, but I, I personally kind of knew him. And we knew his family. And my wife just loved this guy. He could do no wrong. My daughter and I have a lot of eye problems, and so we go to the eye doctor once a year. Uh, my wife doesn't go so often, so she wasn't um, aware that we weren't comfortable. My daughter and I were not comfortable with his staff, and it got to the point where I actually had to say something like, I feel like someone in your staff isn't it's not doing their job right. And I realized right then and there, I had to find a new eye doctor. Because in my mind, I crossed the line. He might have corrected the situation. It might have got corrected. It might have gone away. The His staff probably would never know that I was the person who made that complaint. But I realized... My daughter doesn't like this staff here. I don't like them, and we're uncomfortable. 
we're not comfortable, we're not fitting in here. We don't feel relaxed. We don't want to go to the eye doctor because we have to deal with these people. And that's not good. I think you develop an aversion to going to the doctor when you're not comfortable. You start to get not a phobia, but an aversion. You're just like, I'll just put it off. I'll put it off. I'll put it off. So you don't get your teeth cleaned twice a year. You don't go to the eye doctor every year or two. And you don't do your annual physical unless you have to. So then you start not going to the doctor and monitoring. All those little bumps and bruises and little things on your body. And pretty soon you miss something because you didn't do your follow-ups. You didn't do your routine medical uh, things that you need to, you know, um, your annual checkups that you need to keep yourself safe. And the reason I'm saying a lot of this is I think a lot of people right now are frightened and nervous about all the things they're hearing in the media and out there in different websites and their friends and and social media is just pathetic and they're thinking well do the doctors really know what they're doing do they you know do our healthcare professionals really out there to do they really care about us and you know there's different things that people are thinking and they're scared and there's a lot of stuff going on and I want to assure you that even I somebody who's very pro science, somebody who's very um, uh, good about going to the doctor when they need to, um, following up, doing what the doctor orders, I find myself very um, hesitant to go to the doctor unless I have to. Because of years and years and years of conditioning where I went to doctors that made me uncomfortable for one reason or another. And when I started to see it in my daughter, that's when I knew not only did I have to change my attitude, I have some health issues that I need monitored by my doctor on a biannual basis, Okay. It's nothing to be ashamed of. I have inherited from my mother uh, hypertension, high blood pressure. I've had it since I was in my 20s when I was thin, young, working out, a young father. I started getting told that I had high blood pressure when I was 18 years old. Okay? By the time I was 28, my doctor just said, that's enough talking about it. You need to go on blood pressure medication. You have hypertension. And I remember the day it was like he crossed the line. I didn't want to take the medication. I didn't want to hear it. I was being obstinate. He crossed the line. He was authoritative with me. And he was the best thing that ever happened to me. This doctor probably added 20 to 30 years on my life by taking care of a problem when I was young and not letting me get away with my I'm okay, nothing's wrong with me attitude. 
and he was a good doctor. Okay, now he retired, so, uh, and I'm lucky, like I said, to find a new one. But then what happened was I started to see that my daughter was shy and was not comfortable around some dentists and some eye doctors and other uh, doctors that we took her to. And I realized that not only did I have to make changes for my daughter, I had to make changes for myself. It was time for me to put aside my little tiny phobias and dislikes and neurotic behaviors and my social anxieties and find a new eye doctor, dentist, etc. and go where I was comfortable. And I did that. And I remember the day, and I don't want to get upset about it, but it was very emotional for me at the time. I took my daughter to the eye doctor, and she, I always went with her because my wife doesn't have glasses, and I do, and it's just easier for me to kind of follow through and make sure she gets glasses, and, you know, I'm just a little more knowledgeable of it. And she also gets contacts and all, you know, make sure she gets everything she needs. And to me, it's no big deal. I, I know exactly what to do. And, you know, go ahead and get two pair because you're a young girl. and you, Kids tend to break their glasses. So you always get two pair. <clears throat> you get a nice, nice fancy pair. And then you get a, try to get a cheaper pair, you know, that's just going to sit on a shelf forever unless they break them. And then you wear those for uh, until you get the other pair fixed. So you always have two glasses for kids when they're little. Um, and even I, as an adult, I, what I do is I, you know, you end up keeping your old pairs. So then you get them read fixed and then you keep those as your backup when you're an adult. <laughs> but kids don't have as many pairs. So you always get them two pair. And uh, she was always nervous and it was always a stressful thing getting her glasses and she's a pretty little girl and I think she feels funny if she doesn't think she's pretty in her glasses I've never said anything to her about it but I definitely think it bothers her and she doesn't want to look nerdy or silly or not pretty in her glasses I think all girls are like that to a degree I've noticed they always want to look cute in their glasses and to make a long story short I took her to this brand new eye doctor that we found not that long ago it's it's been a while maybe six seven years but to me it seems like yesterday and hang on oh boy <laughs> running out of air and okay um Take her to the eye doctor, and that little girl had a smile. The biggest smile on her face. From the minute she met the doctor, she liked the eye doctor. She came out of her, uh, I let her go on her own to her, you know, let her do her exam by herself. I stayed out front, and then I was going to get an exam after her. We went together. 
she came out. I said, go ahead and pick out your glasses. I'll go get my exam, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll settle up with everything. That girl had a permanent smile on her face the whole time. And the girls were telling her how pretty she looked and uh, what looked good on her, what didn't look good, what worked for her, what didn't. And she was just so thrilled. And to see my daughter with a smile on her face and then see her come back from the dentist, because they like the dentist now that they have, um, which is it's interesting. My wife and my daughter go to one dentist and I go to a different one. I found one that's a good fit for me. I didn't like their dentist. Not that there's anything. He's the absolute best dentist in the world, but I don't particularly like. There's certain things I don't like. Some of it has to do with the hours and emergencies. Like sometimes I have to, I have to get to the dentist because of work. And the one I go to is way more convenient and, um, you know, convenient hours and, it seems like I can get in there for an emergency quicker. But anyway, to see my daughter come home from the dentist with a smile on her face, and she's happy, and my wife's happy, that I know they're getting the routine maintenance, the checkups, and the care done in a timely, expedient manner. They're not afraid to go and they're getting proper care. And we're doing away with this fear, this irrational fear of, I don't want to go to the dentist. I don't want to go to the eye doctor. I'll just put off going to the doctor. I don't really like going down there. We're, we're removing that from our lives by finding health care providers that are a good fit that we're comfortable with, that we trust, and that do very, very good work. My wife and daughter go to the absolute best. I've been to this man myself, and our dentist is absolutely the best dentist I've ever been to. He's amazing, but it just seems like I cannot get a, an appointment with him when I'm in a... And usually I have more of the emergency-type situations because I have a, you know, I have a strange work schedule, and I just, things always happen to me, like at 2 in the morning, or 6 a.m., and I want to go to the dentist right away, I don't want to wait, and um, I had a problem just a couple times with trying to get in there, and I found another office that was way more convenient for me, and I happened to like the dentist there. And she is a very nice lady, and the hygienists are all really good, and I am trying to get that anxiety and that stress of, I don't know if I can get an appointment, I don't like going through all the hassle, I'm getting all that out of my life, and I'm trusting my medical providers again, I'm trusting my doctor, I'm trusting my dentist, my eye doctor is the best, I have found the best eye doctor I've ever had in my entire life, and my daughter thinks the world of them, and it's part of a, like a group, 
where you can go to a different office if you can't get an appointment. So we went to the other office, and I thought, oh, I know how this is going to work. It's going to be horrible here because she's the nice lady that runs the nice office by my house. And then we drove all the way across town to this other town, to this other office, and they're probably going to treat us horrible. I just know it. We went in there, and they treated us just as nice or even better than the office we regularly go to. And my daughter was amazed. We had a wonderful experience. We had a good uh, a, a day going to the eye doctor. And I must tell you, I do believe a lot of the things that are going on right now are because insurance companies have made things so difficult for the doctors to carry out their business. You know, it's to the point where a doctor has to sometimes ask an insurance company if they can give you a medication because they have to approve it or not. Your insurance company is not your doctor. They're they're just <laughs> your provider for insurance. But they have to get approval for a certain medication or certain procedures. And you can only go to this doctor or that doctor for a certain procedure. And you have to look at a book to make sure that your doctor is covered in your insurance. So you may not even be able to go to the doctor you, you want to go to because he's not in your provider list or whatever they call it. And it goes on and on and on. And I must tell you that... I believe in my heart that this is where a lot of this social divide in the United States of America is coming from. We have backed ourselves in a corner. We have taken medicine out of the hands of the doctors and put it in the hands of politicians and insurance companies and lobbyists. And we don't allow our practitioners to be the doctors they were meant to be. It's so hard to find a good doctor, a dentist, even an eye doctor, something as simple as an eye doctor. It's so hard to find a good one anymore, at least in my book. And when you do, you cherish these people. You you really admire them. You respect them. You are so happy to have this person in your life and you're worried they're going to retire. So I'm happy. I have all, I have worked very hard and it took a f probably five or six years to finally find all medical people younger than me <laughs> so that I hopefully will outlive them <laughs> or I will outlive their practice before they retire. You know, and uh, so that's a good thing. And if you think it's just medical doctors. This goes for my vet too. We had different vets and some of them I really liked, but we found a veterinarian clinic we really like. They're very convenient and I think they all charge too much, but they are thorough. They are um, careful and um, I fall in love with my pets and I've had to put them down over the years. And they have been so supportive and so kind and so helpful in those situations that uh, you end up building a bond with them. Almost 
like family. And I worry about them so much because they must see the tragic loss of either losing or putting down a pet on a daily basis. Whereas I've only seen it when I experience it in my own life and family. And I always think of them when I go to the vet, what they must go through in a day. And I think back every time I go to the vet, I think about the time I took one of my pets there to have them put down or uh, they'll do the cremation and then give you the ashes to bury. And, you know, the, the pet died at home or the pet died there, but they'll dispose of it. They'll either dispose the body or you can have it turned into ashes. And every time I go there just for a, take my dog for medication or uh, check up whatever a shot rabies or whatever you know booster shots and I think what they must go through every time because every time I go there I think about you know how many pets I've lost in the past and then I think about how they must deal with that on a daily basis and are we considerate enough of them Do we think about them enough? And do we think about our doctors and our vets and the things they go through just to give us a better life? You know, without these people that take the time to go to school, college, and work as interns and spend six, eight, ten long years of their life becoming a healthcare professional at their level and then the garbage that I've already explained and all the interpersonal feelings and all the good fits and all the bad fits and all the insurance companies and all the stuff that they have to deal with I wonder if we actually really realize you know how flippant we are with them you know especially when people say things like Oh, I did my own research. Or, I'll just treat it myself. I know better than a doctor. Do you? Do you really? (laughs) I may know that this doctor right here, Dr. A, is better than Dr. B. Because he's a good fit. But I never said Dr. B is a horrible doctor. I just said that Dr. A is the better fit for me. The man is still a good doctor, or he wouldn't be one. You know what they call the guy who graduates at the bottom of his class at medical school? You know what you call him? You call him a doctor. (laughs) It's an old joke. And I guess I'm all over the place today, and that happens sometimes in my mind, because I'm taking NyQuil for this chest cold bronchitis, and I'm on my antibiotic and it's been a few days and I'm getting enough sleep but I feel like I'm not sleeping enough I still feel tired all the time I feel wore out but I think the most important thing is that we focus on 
trusting those who've put the time in, done the real work, and have dedicated their lives to keeping us safe. I'm very proud of my doctors. I'm very proud that I have good ones. It took me a while to find ones after the ones I used to have either retired or quit the business or moved on or they you know moved literally moved their practice and it was more convenient for me to find a new one than to keep the old ones and I feel very fortunate that I have a good set of professional healthcare workers that care about me and my family I went to the doctor oh was it Thursday? Yeah. Because, no, it was Friday. I got sick Thursday. And I got sick fast. And Friday morning, I went to the doctor. I managed to get in. And by afternoon, I had my COVID and my influenza test, both negative. A prescription for bronchitis. Uh, antibiotic in my hand. And I did the, you know, fist bump in the air to my doctor. And I really thought about it for a second as I was walking out. He actually walked me to the door and, you know, said, goodbye, be careful, see you later. And I thought, I'm really lucky. I'm really lucky. And there was a time when I had a lot of fears and irrational phobias and social anxieties about the doctors in my life because I let this stuff build up in me. And like I said, I started seeing it in my daughter and I removed it in my life. And I think that's the lesson here. I saw it in others and I didn't want it in my own life. And I looked in the mirror and I was honest with myself and saw that I was doing it to myself too and I think that's what's going on right now in this wonderful blessed country of ours I think we've let ourselves get the fears and anxieties of everyone around us that I think maybe don't have our best interests at heart and they're frightening us into not trusting our medical doctors and professionals that really are the experts um, in this field and are people that should be trusted and the majority of the vast majority of them are very good people with a good heart and good intentions and good morals and their intent never was, never will be to harm. And I hope you will think about that if you have these fears or if you have these anxieties that I've talked about today. Maybe you have ones that are worse than that where you have fears about the vaccines and and other procedures that need done in your life. And you will think on it. I'm not asking you to change who you are, and I'm not asking you to accept 
blindly everything that comes at your way. But maybe you could start to think about where the fears are coming from in your life. And maybe because we talked today, we can start to work on dealing with those fears, putting them aside, and getting you the health care you really need. And that's the point of this talk today. As sick as I am, I wanted to stop everything and just talk to you as a person and be very honest with you. And if you have irrational fears in your life that are preventing you from getting the health care you need, let's think about it. You and I, let's talk about it. And let's see where it's coming from. And let's get you the help you need. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? All right. I think I'm going to end it here. Thank you for joining me today. You've been wonderful. Take care and have a most blessed week. It's the weather can't be any nicer for September. Go out, get some fresh air. And be thankful that we're both still alive. Because I feel like death warmed over right now. I'm going to go back to sleep. (laughs) Take care and don't worry. I'm going to be full of piss and vinegar next week. You know I will. I never let you down. I never give up. And I don't want you to give up either. Because you're worth it. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Huello. Please take a moment to share, rate, and review this podcast. It really does help. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash The theme song, Atlantis, is by Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardehuello at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, thank you.